Welcome to the Momentum Matters podcast, where we have courageous conversations with women leaders. You'll hear about their accomplishments, experiences, challenges, and best advice. If you're inspired by women who have overcome barriers and gone on to do extraordinary things, you're in the right place. I'm April Benatolo, CEO at Momentum Leaders, where we are on a mission to advance women in leadership. Now let's meet our guest. Lenitra King, welcome this morning to the Momentum Matters podcast. We are more than excited to have you here. Um, We're going to hear a lot about your journey from where you grew up on through your amazing career in healthcare administration. And I really just want to start out this morning uh, finding out more about how you grew up. Was there a pivotal person that really informed your desire to uh, go into the field that you chose? And then ultimately, I want to talk about your big decision to start your own firm called Watch Me Excel. So through Watch Me Excel, Lenitra coaches and gives career advice to all kinds of leaders, but mostly leaders in underrepresented communities. So I'm I'm really anxious to get started. And if you can just take us back a little bit to how you grew up and we will go on from there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'll just share with you that, you know, I grew up right down the road from you all in Montevallo, which back then was a small town, but as you know, is very, very much bustling um, as part of Shelby County. So I grew up there. My mom was a young teenage mother, and we lived in the house with several of her siblings. She had three of their siblings, as well as my grandmother, who was the matriarch of the family. And my grandmother was very much a caretaker. At any point in time, we had a number of other relatives also living with us, whether it was cousin or great aunt. She was a full-time caretaker of one of my great uncles, who was a diabetic. And, you know, it was really my grandmother that instilled so many leadership characteristics and traits in me because I saw her um, at a very young age giving selflessly of herself, uh, sacrificing and doing everything that she needed to for our family. You know, we grew up, didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, we knew we didn't have a lot of money, but definitely felt like we compensated for that in love, in faith, in community, and just having so much of what we needed and some of what we wanted. So that was really, for me, uh, was the foundation, because if it were not for my grandmother, you know, toiling, you know, I'll share with you that she worked by the time she uh, retired from her job, she had worked 30 years at Shelby Baptist as an operating room scrub tech. And my mother ended up going back to school to get her nursing degree. And she went to work at Shelby Baptist as well. So, you know, with the two most important women in my life who were definitely pivotal to who I am and how I got to where I am today, I knew that I would be in healthcare. But I'm not a clinical. I know my right hand from my left hand. That's about as clinical as I am. Uh, and I was always fascinated by the business side. So I felt like healthcare administration was really the best blend for me in terms of being in healthcare, really serving, giving back to the community, but being on the business side of things, which I loved. 
So I'll share also that, you know, when I was growing up, this is kind of going back to high school, I was in a program called Upward Bound. And Upward Bound was a program for first generation college students, which I was. So for me, being a part of this program, there were so many people who poured into me and really helped me get on to that track that I needed to in order for me to go on to achieve some of the things that I did. So uh, being a, in this multi-generational home with a very strong matriarch, my grandmother, um, having so many people in the community. And I would say back then, it really was a village and it was a neighborhood where everyone knew everyone. I could go to anyone's house. I could get admonished by anyone in the neighborhood. And it wasn't, you know, really a big deal. It was really, you know, the expectation um, during that time. And I really think it was, you know, those early years that shaped who I was and how I saw things. Then going through high school, being in this Upward Bound program, really seeing a number of other people who were able to achieve helped me stretch, you know, what I thought was even possible or imaginable for me. So, you know, growing up, there was never a question about whether or not I was going to go to college. It was really where are you going to go to college? Because that was the expectation that my family had for me. And I'm so grateful that they instilled those educational principles and uh, put those high expectations on me for me to be able to go off and do all of the wonderful things that I could dream of. So I went off to college as a first generation college student to an HBCU in Florida, Florida A&M University. And I majored in uh, healthcare management. Then after I graduated, moved back to Alabama, worked for a couple of years, and then went to graduate school. So um, that's a little bit about my early years and the people who made uh, some impacts on me. Definitely my grandmother, my mother, the village of people who were around me, and just so many people who were willing to invest in me in terms of mentorship and just giving me nuggets of wisdom that I needed to get me on the track. <laughs> It's something we hear a lot, actually, um, you know, that that it, it really takes that whole village. And mm -hmm. for a lot of women, not all, but for a lot of women, it really is who is that strong woman in her life who was able to show her the way and or give her the confidence that she needed to to do the big dreams. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So when you graduated from college, tell us about your um, your career progression from there. Yeah, so I'll take you back to graduate school. So I attended graduate school at University of Alabama at Birmingham to get my MSHA. So go Blazers. Definitely have to give them a shout out because they were so um, instrumental to me having the career that um, I uh, was able to enjoy. Then after graduate school, I completed what's called an administrative residency. So that was what really started out my career in healthcare administration. Uh, UAB is one of the few programs in the country where they require an administrative residency as part of the degree requirements. So it's something that every single person in the MSHA program um, has to go through. And I was fortunate enough to complete my administrative residency at a large level one trauma center in Kansas City, Missouri. So leaving uh, Birmingham, I took all of my worldly belongings to Kansas City, and that was what uh, started me out. Uh, that was also where I really grew this passion for working with the underserved because I started out my career in a safety net hospital, uh, serving uh, the underserved of that area 
area and really learning about things such as inequities and disparities in healthcare, which are still, you know, hot topics today and things that um, I still advocate for. So I was there at that particular uh, organization for about four years altogether after uh, my administrative residency. Then I applied to a highly competitive, very selective chief operating officer development program with a large investor-owned hospital management chain. And this particular uh, executive development program was what I would say really was the key for me accelerating my career. Because once I got into this program, and just to give you a sense, you know, I share this with uh, people uh, just to let them know how competitive it was and how much of a big deal it was for me to make it into this program. Uh, there were seven or 800 applicants for only 11 slots in my cohort in this program. Wow. So definitely, definitely very competitive. And I'm glad I was one of that number. Once I got into that, I moved from Kansas City, Missouri to New Orleans, Louisiana. And I was an associate administrator uh, working with the hospital or health system CEO who was a physician uh, who turned um, executive. So I uh, worked closely with him and his executive team. I was a part of the executive team and had uh, ancillary operation support responsibilities. Then two years later, got promoted to my first title of a VP of operations. Then I had responsibility for two campuses. And so it was going back and forth uh, for those responsibilities. And then about two years after that, got my first hospital chief operating officer role and uh, the company moved me from New Orleans uh, back to the Kansas City area. So I was on the Kansas side uh, this time in uh, Overland Park, uh, Leewood, Kansas area. And I spent about five years as chief operating officer of this boutique uh, community hospital. And I gained so much experience from uh, being on the for-profit side of healthcare, an amazing, amazing executive development program, many mentors, many sponsors. But that was where I really cut my teeth in terms of operations and and people leadership and really learning how to show up and drive results and do all of the things that, you know, we're expected to do as leaders. Um, during that point, I had gotten married, I had a son, and, you know, was really trying to learn how to balance all of the things in terms of being highly ambitious, uh, career driven, but also trying to manage the, the family aspect of it, too. Uh, so um, it was during this time that uh, we made the decision uh, to move to Texas. So I ended up leaving this organization that I had been with for about nine years at that point and went back to the not-for-profit side of healthcare when I went to work for a large regional uh, faith-based system um, in Texas, which is where we still are today. Uh, so I went to be an operations officer at um, a large 800-bed uh, hospital uh, in Fort Worth and was in that role for about two years, then was tapped to go into a corporate role and was in that senior vice president role for about two, two and a half years. So, you know, over the course of my 20-year career in healthcare, the last 15 of those years was spent 
four different hospitals, four different states, and so many learned lessons, so many amazing people, lots of great experiences. But I felt like that was what helped me to decide that I wanted to be on the entrepreneurial space and run my own company, uh, simply because there were so many things that I observed in my career trajectory. And I really wanted to be someone who helped other people in terms of not only creating my legacy and thinking about how I was going to make not just a local impact, but a global impact in terms of the things that I loved, which were growing leaders, uh, sharing wisdom, helping people to be able to advance their careers, especially women and underrepresented leaders. And the best way that I could do that was by having my own company. So, um, you know, this wasn't something that came uh, very quickly. Um, and as a matter of fact, it was due to uh, it was due to an organizational realignment uh, that really said, OK, now that you're no longer in this role, the time. Um, <laughs> going to do next. So that was really uh, what precipitated it uh, because I made the decision uh, not to go back into a corporate role, but really focus on my entrepreneurial uh, ideas and write my book. So that's all of that is what led me to where I am today, being the founder and CEO of Watch Me Excel and the author of Unwritten Insights, a career playbook for leaders of color. So I'm I'm really excited to dive into that book and to dive into sort of the the framework that you put into practice when you do your leadership coaching. Um, before we get to that, I want to go back to something you said just a few minutes ago, and that is that you had a number of mentors and sponsors at the hospital in Kansas City that were really instrumental on your career path, in addition to the, the program that you were selected to do. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that role of mentors and sponsors in, in a woman's career path. Absolutely. So I will tell you over the course of my entire career, mentors and sponsors were absolutely key for me to be able to have access to networks and to be able to have the critical exposure uh, for me to to build my own skill sets and round out my capabilities for me to get to that next position and then that next position. So, you know, one of the things that I'd like to do is just share, you know, my own perspective with your audience in terms of the differences between mentors and sponsors, because I Please. get this question a lot. So, you know, a mentor really is someone who is uh, giving you guidance. They're giving you advice. They're a person who can help you um, in terms of you might be working on a project or you have questions around your career and you just need to bounce some ideas off of someone. So a mentor can be your boss. It could be a peer. It could even be someone who is younger than you. Um, there have been a couple of times in my career where I've had reverse mentors, where I have actually asked um, someone of a younger generation, such as millennials, to be able to mentor me just so that I could uh, more deeply engage with uh, different generations. So that's what a mentor is, someone that will give you guidance that you need to help you get to where you want to be. And typically, you can have any number of mentors. You could have two mentors. You can have 50 mentors. Um, I've had a number of mentors over my career and people who have grown into mentors organically. Sponsors, on the other hand, are people who are usually going to be one to two or even three levels higher than you. And I would also say that sponsors are people who select you 
whereas you typically will select your mentors. So the important distinction to know between mentors and sponsors really are sponsors are people who have influence, they have authority, they have power in the company, and they can call your name out in a room full of opportunities as people are having conversations about promotions and compensation. Those are the two areas where sponsors are especially key for women and for leaders of color. Because when it comes down to it and people are having conversations about performance, when people are having conversations about who do we want to give certain opportunities to or give exposure to or pick for plum assignments, it's usually sponsors who are going to be the ones in those rooms who are giving uh, junior level talent in the organization those opportunities. And you mentioned it. Um, so thank you for asking me this question in terms of how mentors and sponsors have been pivotal for me in my career. I definitely would not have made it um, if it were not for sponsors being able to say, you know what, Lenitra has potential. She's been able to drive results in this area. Let's see what she can do here. Or she may not have all of the skills and expertise in these areas, but let's give her additional skills and let's give her additional training and the development that she needs to build competency and build capacity in these areas. And then let's see what she can do. And I can tell you throughout every phase of my career, in every hospital that I was in, it was both mentors and sponsors who helped me uh, figure out what I needed to do differently, who gave me those critical pieces of feedback that I needed, who also celebrated with me when I had wins, but opened the door for me to be able to get advancement opportunities. And that's what it's about. Yes. Yes to all of that. Yes. Yes, to all of that. Yes, right? to all of that. And we need more people who are sponsoring. We need more people who say, you know what, as a senior leader in this organization, I want to look out across the organization, across all of the talent that we have and see who can I lend my relationship and political capital to and sponsor this person so that they can get the committee assignment, so that they can get the exposure, so that they can get to the networks that they need to be able to advance their career. Or it's not even about advancing your career. It's about being the best at what you are today because not everybody wants to advance, right? Not everybody wants to be a CEO and that's okay. Um, but I do feel like you still need mentors and sponsors to really help you figure out, even if you want to be an individual contributor and that's perfectly okay, how can you be the best at what you can do and really showcase your skills and your competencies to add value to the organization that you're working with? So how would you recommend someone, since a sponsor does have to pick you, how would you recommend someone go about, um, let's say, putting themselves in the path of a sponsor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of ways that I would recommend one do that. The first thing I would say is being able to articulate your value add, articulate your value add in terms of the things that you've been working on to drive strategic priorities. So every organization, whether it's healthcare, whether it's fintech, whether it's education, nonprofits, no matter what, 
every organization has key strategic priorities that they're focusing on uh, year in and year out, whether it's by strategic plan or some other process. So what I would say is, First, you want to learn what those key strategic priorities are. And once you figure that out, you have to be really, really good at articulating how did you add value around the key priorities? How did you add value around the things that are important to your boss and to your boss's boss? And when you can get really, really good at one, understanding those priorities, and two, articulating how you have been able to drive those results around those priorities. I think that's very important. I would say another thing is being aware of your brand. So it's what I call being brand intentional. So it's how you show up, it's how you exude your confidence, and your charisma. It's also looking the part, right? All of those things go into who you are in terms of your personal and your leadership brand. So it's being very intentional about building a strong brand that people want to attach themselves to, that people want to say, hey, this person over here does have the potential because he or she, you know, shows up, This person is always going above and beyond. This person looks the part. They're ready to go to that next level. So all of those things really encompass your brand. So that's why I would say be brand intentional. The other thing I would say is cultivating a network. So cultivating your network really looks like building strong relationships up with your boss and your boss's boss is down if you're a people leader to your direct reports. And it's also across the organization. Um, So if you think about how we work, you're not on, on an island. So the people that you work with, you want to build those strong working relationships up, down, and across. And you're cultivating your own relationship capital in the organization. You're cultivating people who can be ambassadors for you. When you're working with people over and over and over again, they start to know who you are, your philosophy, your leadership profile. And you want to have people who can speak about you when you're not in the room. And that's an important piece, not only of your brand, but also the quality of the relationships that you have. And so having access to strong networks and people in the organization is just going to yield so much value in terms of those senior level sponsors who are looking out and saying, hey, again, this is somebody that we want to work with because other people are now singing your praises if you do well and you're driving results and you're doing the things. And, you know, the last thing, which I just mentioned, is driving results. And it was so important if you want to secure senior executive sponsors, you got to be good at the job that you're doing today, right? Like you got to focus on what is it I'm expected to do and how can I exceed those expectations? But again, how are you driving results? Because everything goes back to knowing those key strategic priorities and then being able to build a demonstrated track record of success over over time and then driving results to that. So those are just a a few key components that I would say would be very important for anyone in any industry to think about in terms of how you can get noticed by senior executives. And it's what I call the ABCD format. I don't know if you picked up on that, but everything that I just mentioned was ABCD. So those are a few of my tips. Awesome. 
<laughs> I'd love to hear you tell us a little bit more about that decision, that pivotal decision to uh, leave healthcare administration and start your own company. Uh, I can tell that you're extremely passionate about what you do, so knowledgeable, but it had to be scary to leave the safety of that corporate job and and go out on your own. So what was that like for you? Yeah, you know, I will tell you, I had been thinking about entrepreneurship and a number of other things for a few years, but I love healthcare. Love it, love it, love it. I mean, I just truly feel like it was one of my ministries and definitely a passion of mine. And, you know, uh, we had gotten to the point in the organization where, you know, not unlike many other health systems around the country, even right now, you know, after the pandemic, and this was actually still during the pandemic where there were lots of decisions being made, um, organizations being realigned, and the organization that I was with at the time I decided to uh, realign and my division and my position was impacted. So, you know, the decision for me to walk away was uh, made for me. Um, so having that career transition uh, was definitely very pivotal. And I could have, you know, gone on to another health system, gone to another organization. But honestly, I really wanted to take a couple of months off to one, just think, kind of clear my head, figure out some next steps, um, reconnect, re-engage with my family and my friends. And, you know, still uh, very much in the middle of the pandemic because this was around fall of 2021 uh, when this occurred. And I just I was praying fervently and had been praying fervently for a number of years about my next steps and next direction. And again, how I wanted to make a broader impact um, outside of some of the work that I was doing. And literally, it was just something that dropped in my spirit that, you know what, now is the time if you're ever going to go out and uh, build your own brand, uh, build your own company, there's no better time than to do it now. So um, instead of interviewing uh, like crazy to go into another executive role, I made the decision to build my company from scratch and I uh, pursue that full time. Uh, so I uh, really started to focus on my company in kind of late 2021, early 2022. Um, also, at the time, I wanted to finish my book because I had already started writing it. And I felt like, again, there was no better time for me to focus on those things than now. Uh, so I started doing those things and I said, yes, I'm going to go all in into being an entrepreneur and this crazy entrepreneur life <laughs> that's not as easy as they make it seem like on the internet, but definitely um, I have all the feels around it. Um, I love what I'm doing now simply because I get the opportunity to work with amazing organizations and amazing leaders um, around the country. And I get to uh, learn best practices from a number of different organizations inside of healthcare and outside of healthcare. Um, most of my clients are in the healthcare and higher education space, but I also work with organizations um, in other industries as well. And I can tell you just working with uh, emerging executives and senior executives and a variety of different organizations. I learn as much from them and culture and talent development and, you know, what's going on in these various industries than they learn from me. And so for me, that has really been a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Um, yes, it's been hard, but I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way because I feel like, you know, what they say, if it's easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but definitely have had the time of my life uh, with this company and really growing my company to uh, be able to uh, to make a broader impact and being able to, you know, write my book and get my book out there. Lenita, this has been so fantastic. And in the few minutes that we have left, I would love if you could give us just a few takeaways from that fabulous book and let our audience know where they can find it. Absolutely. Well, that fabulous book is called Unwritten Insights, a career playbook for leaders of color. And it could be found at any major book retailer, whether that's Barnes and Nobles, Amazon.com. Amazon is probably the most popular, uh, but you can buy it anywhere. Uh, Definitely uh, go to the link and purchase. And I would love to hear from you. So here are a few nuggets from the book that I would love to leave with the audience. The first one is the book isn't necessarily about me, even though I use my 15 plus years of senior executive experience, sharing nuggets of wisdom about how can you advance your career and have leadership success, because that's what it's about, not only advancing your career, but also having that staying power once you get there. And not only do I talk about in this book what the environment is like uh, for leaders of color today, and especially this is so important uh, with all of the conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, I share some research. I share lots of data about what is going on in the current environment and corporate. I also took the time um, to interview a number of executives in industries um, around the country so that they could validate uh, some of the things that I shared in this book. So just a few things that we talk about that I think are so important are building your personal brand, the importance of having a strong personal and leadership brand. And we've talked about a brand a couple of times on this um, on this podcast. I also talk about mentors, uh, career advocates, and sponsors. And similar to uh, what I did earlier is I really go into depth around what are mentors, what are advocates, what are sponsors, how can you secure senior level sponsors to be able to help you um, on your journey. I also talk about some of those other unwritten uh, things such as understanding organizational behavior, uh, navigating workplace politics. I mean, over and over again, I work with uh, so many people and have lots of conversations about how can I successfully integrate myself into the organization, um, whether I'm a brand new leader or I'm a seasoned leader going to a new organization or I've been promoted up in the same organization? Um, How can I figure out those uh, networks, building relationships, uh, building that relationship capital up, down, and across, and getting things across the finish line, uh, but also networking and how do I secure uh, sponsors who can help me uh, once I get there? And then I also talk about something that I feel like is very important, especially right now, and that is self-care. That is emotional and mental wellness and all of the topics around that, but I do it from a bent of of, uh, from multicultural leaders and some of the trauma that we have experienced because of everything that's going on uh, right now. So those are just a few of the things that I talk about in this book, and I'm so excited about it. And I would love for your, your audience to go out and purchase and hope they'll uh, let me know what they think about it. I'm so excited to receive my copy of the book, which we yes. ordered a few days ago, so it should be on its way. Yes. And Lenitra, I cannot thank you enough for being with us today. I'm sharing your experiences and your insights. And I'm just so grateful that uh, there's 
other avenues for people to access your wisdom. So through the book. Also, if you want to share your website. Yes. So my website is www.watchmeexcel. So watch me excel, W-A-T-C-H-M-E-E-X-C-E-L.com. So that's the first way. I uh, would love to hear from you there, but also LinkedIn. So follow me at Lenitra King, that's L-E-N-E-T-R-A-K-I-N-G. So those are the best two ways to engage with me is either my personal LinkedIn page. My company also has a LinkedIn page under Watch Me Excel and uh, would love to hear from you. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for being here today. And we look forward to future conversations with you, Lenitra. Thank you so much, April. Happy Friday. And thank you for the invitation. Thank you. All right. You take care. Thank you for listening to our show today. We invite you to subscribe to Momentum Matters so you never miss an episode. And we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a rating and a review to help others learn about our show. Momentum Matters is produced in partnership with Social U. Many thanks to our sponsor companies, including America's Thrift Stores, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama, Protective Life, and Regents Bank. A full list of Momentum sponsors is online at MomentumLeaders.org slash sponsors. Beyond this podcast, we have a lot of ways to get more momentum in your life. Check out the show notes for links and resources. That's all for this episode. See you next time on Momentum Matters.